I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Blue Wire. Hey, Unsalvageable listeners. Sarah Todd here. I just wanted to let you know that this game recap was recorded on Tuesday, the day after game four. But considering the news that came out on Wednesday morning, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a heads up that some of it is outdated already. I want you guys to hear some of the discussion that Greg and I had. And so I've cut up some of the pieces that still make sense. It's not going to be perfect. I also wanted to acknowledge some of the news that happened this morning. First of all, Kawhi Leonard is out indefinitely with a knee injury. That is clearly a big piece of news for this series. Also, Chris Paul is now in the health and safety protocols, and that could be very serious for the next series if the Jazz were to make it out of the Western Conference semifinals. All of this is big news, and Greg and I will go over it in depth in the next regular-sized episode. Additionally, this morning we spoke to Mike Conley, and we have a little bit more clarity on what's going on with him. He did have a mild hamstring strain, that is true. He had a little bit of a setback in recovery, though. He said that one spot was sore, and then that spot sort of elongated, and now he has another spot in his hamstring that's sore. And so while the first spot is feeling better, he still has to treat the other spot. He did say that if this were a Game 7 situation, he insinuated that he would be able to play, and he feels capable of playing right now. What they're hoping for is that he can get just a couple more days of recovery in before returning to the court. With all of that in mind, and without further ado, here is a very late Game 4 recap, Game 5 preview. Victor was committed to hospital last night. (laughs) Poor Victor. <laughs> oh, poor Victor. He had a good run. <laughs> Victor is not well. Mental, physical. I have phenomenal pool hair going on right You've got now. Got great curls today. <clears throat> no product. No product. Just, <laughs> Looking good, Gregory. Just <laughs> naked and feeling free. Just beautiful right now. Hello, hello, and welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah Jazz podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network with me, Sarah Todd, the jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News, and as always, my co-host, Greg. A lot of things happened over the last few days. Rudy made all-defensive first team. Rudy made all all-NBA third team. Donovan did not make an all-NBA team. We're going to get into that stuff on a extended episode on a different day. Today, we are talking about the Jazz losing a second consecutive game in Los Angeles and the game five that is extremely important. Greg, again, Victor is not here. He only makes appearances (laughs) when the Jazz are victorious. And that game, that first half, especially the first quarter of that game four was atrocious. Can I give you my recap? Yes. 
<laughs> your mic cut out because the fart noise was so gross. <laughs> that was the worst quarter of basketball I've ever seen in my entire life. It was really bad. It was dog. <laughs> it was, I have coached third grade junior jazz and we have had quarters in our season that I coached that were better than what the Jazz put out in the first quarter of game four. That was an aberration to basketball. Was I was watching that game and got offended. <laughs> That's offensive. That was an affront to everything good in basketball. Definitely a clinic in two things. What not to do against the Los Angeles Clippers. Or if you're the Clippers, what to the, do? The perfect way to exploit every jazz weakness that they've ever had. Yeah. Honestly, I kind of felt like Bill Russell died yesterday during that first quarter. No. Just so he could roll in his grave. No. That's how bad that quarter was. <laughs> well wishes to the Russell family. <laughs> we wish like, him no harm. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It was, um, it was really bad. Uh, in particular, and I'm I'm almost never one to criticize noted cool man, cool guy solstice owner, sixth man of the year, Jordan Clarkson. I rarely criticize him because a lot of the criticism is, why is he just jacking up shots? And like, Because the Jazz want him to. Because that's what he does. That's what he does. The problem that I have with what happened in game four was contested off-balance mid-range shots. Early shot clock contested jumpers when an open guy is standing six feet away from you. It was bad shot selection across the board. It was terrible. I was, I was dumbfounded. It was butt. <laughs> In fact, let me pull up the, let me pull up. This is a very interesting tweet by Shane Young at Young MBA. Jordan Clarkson in this series. In the paint, he is five of 18 which is 27.8%. Mid-range, he is 0 for 3. That's 0%. On all two-pointers, 5 of 21. 23.8%. And 21 shots across, like 21 two-point shots across four games is not horrible. No. But Jordan Clarkson shouldn't be taking any shots that are not at the rim or not at the three-point line. That I mean, they've worked on he's worked on that for two plus years at this point. It's one of the things that the Jazz really wanted to carve out of his game was like take away take away those inefficient shots. And the playoffs is not the time to bring it back. Well, especially when you juxtapose it against how well he's played and how well he's shot from three. He's 15 of 36 for 42% on above the break threes he's three of four for 75 percent on corner threes yeah so he's what we're seeing from jordan clarkson is him not picking his spots anymore yeah and he's reverting back to old jordan clark i say reverting back it's a it's a small string of games that he's done this i don't think that jordan clarkson can't turn the corner and play better during these playoffs i think that's totally possible but for at least the last two games, probably a little bit more. I'm I'm being generous by just saying the last two games. He has reverted back to some bad habits. Yeah, it's been it's been sad to see. And unfortunately, Jordan Clarkson's play is a microcosm 
of the Jazz's play in the in the last two games, especially that first quarter. Like, what really frustrated me was you could see that Donovan had a noticeable limp, wasn't penetrating, and looked a little uh, tentative. And instead of other people stepping up and other people running the offense, what we saw was like the jazz went hero ball and they were going ISO after one action or after one set, we saw the results. It was awful. And we've said it now throughout the entire series. We're four games in, you can't play hero ball against the Clippers, especially when they're five out and they can switch everything. Yeah. There are certainly a ton of horrible things to be said about the jazz right now, especially after the last two games. Uh, I'll play a little Silver Linings playbook for everyone. I'm I'm just saying that. I have never seen that movie. I don't know why I'm even trying. Silver Linings playbook. <laughs> That's the segment. The Jazz and everyone else in the NBA world knew that this matchup was not going to be a cakewalk for no. the Jazz. No one thought that this was going to, the Jazz were going to sweep in four. People were thinking I was crazy for saying Jazz in seven. Which, you know, is still very much in play. Just thank you very much. Yeah. I think that the reason that people are reacting so harshly is because of the way that the the Clippers won in the last two games. That, yes. That's not to say that the Jazz can't figure it out, though. I mean, if, we, if we're saying they can't figure it out and they can't come back from these two losses, that they can't win at home, that they can't get this series, then the Jazz's problems are much, much deeper. Right. And I think that they can. This team, the way that they played in these last two games, definitely not at their best, but also very uncharacteristic of what we've seen through the first, for, through 72 regular season games and then seven playoff games before that. Right. It's puzzling to see them dig themselves into this hole, but I don't think that it's crazy to think that they could get themselves out of this. No, like this is this is a ship that is off course, but could be uh, steered in the right direction fairly quickly with some fairly minor adjustments. Right. One of the things that I will say is Rudy's got to be on the floor more often. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's the playoffs. I'm OK. I'm fine with Rudy playing 40 plus minutes. You have he's he's your star. Like this is not a time to be rigid in your your rotations Quinn and Quinn Snyder has forgotten more about basketball than I know the man right. is a basketball encyclopedia but he is not beyond reproach right and, and I did think that his rotations last night were a bit Budenholzer-esque right and because it's that you know he takes Rudy out at his normal six to seven minute mark in right. the third quarter. Well, to that point, the Jazz had cut a 24-point lead down to 14. It was, yeah, to They've 14. Taken, and they had the momentum. Right. They had taken 10 points off that lead. It's early in the third quarter. But then he goes to the regular rotate. Like, that's that's the regular spot that you take Rudy out. This is not regular. No. It's a game four against the Clippers in the second round of the playoffs. You ride, you ride your horses. And this really pains me to see especially because I had to bury him last night because Derek Favors is now dead. He's, is he legally obligated to call Kawhi daddy now? I think, I think, I think he, he is. 
That dunk <laughs> was that was disgusting. If you haven't looked, if you haven't seen it, if you missed the game, just just Google Kawhi dunk on Derek Favors because Derek Favors got his his poor, poor, sweet face dunked off. I felt like I was Simba. <laughs> watching watching, <laughs> watching Mufasa get trampled. I and like good on Derek. He tried to go up. He did. He and you know what? It doesn't always work out. But the bigger point is, and I hate saying this. Yeah. Derek Favors has been a liability while on the floor in this series outside of game one. Yeah. And that's he, so disappointing he, because so, of how good he was so in game one. So sad to see, but he has been he's been terrible. I know that he had his ups and downs throughout the season and we we were questioning things and I've never had a bigger question mark in regards to Derek Favors than I do right now. But I don't see if you're Quinn, if you're watching the film and you're watching the way that Derek Favors is getting cooked and how the, the Clippers are getting whatever they want when he's on the floor, that you can't play Rudy Gobert 40 to 42 minutes. And the problem with Favors is that in those situations where they pull Gobert out and he has to contest a shot. He's still able to recover. Not all the time. It, it is still an issue. That's basketball, though. He's right. A lot of the time, he's able to recover and contest the possible next shot, too. Yeah, Derek can't do, that. can't do that. No, he can't no, do no, no, it. No, no, he no. doesn't have the lateral quickness. He doesn't have just the length to yeah. do it. And I think Favor's problem is a is a microcosm of a bigger problem that I saw in game five in that. The Jazz's rotation were awful and nobody was staying in front of their man. That was one of the worst games I have ever seen Royce O'Neal play. Royce getting blown by. I mean, constantly. Everyone had defensive problems. You know, rewatching some of the film, I'm actually surprised at how little problems Boyan had. Still, still shocked at how well he's playing defense. Even yeah. as as everyone else is having defensive problems, he looked like pretty okay for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I said this in my recap of the game on Deseret.com that George Niang getting blown by is all is already a problem. And to Quinn's credit, he had two really ugly plays, and on the second one, he benched him quick. Yeah, took um, him out of the game. But if George Niang has been unplayable in this series. Yeah, but if it, but if Royce is gonna get blown by, you can get George. I get it. Like he's probably not gonna be great in those matchups against Paul George. Right. But Royce O'Neal has to be good. The Jazz are not gonna succeed if they can't have their best perimeter defender defending the perimeter. Yeah, exactly. You know, there was one play in particular that I saw that really just stuck out like a sore thumb. Kawhi had gotten switched on Rudy Gobert and he had shut him down on a drive twice. Mm-hmm. And then Kawhi kicks the ball out to Paul George. Ingles misses the rotation. He gets blown by Paul George gets a wide open dunk. All the momentum that the jazz had right then was just completely deflated and you're back at square one and you're digging yourself into a hole. And I know that's just one play, but it's again such a microcosm of the bigger problem that we saw in that game. Yeah. And that was as poor defensive effort as I have seen the Jazz all season. It's really frustrating to me that I thought that Donovan Mitchell was 
okay in this game. Yep. He made some shots. He he was as gritty as it gets. He's a liability on defense right now because he can't move. But I mean, in but, that case, in that case, you've got to have. That's why you've got guys like Joe and Royce yes. to be able to pick up that slack, and Boyan's picking up slack, and you just you have to be able to. I mean. Quinn said it after the game. Some of the players said it after the game. They like weren't connected. And we've seen what this jazz team is like when they're communicating on defense and they're rotating. I mean, we saw some of those rotations in the second half of that game four. Yeah. When they're doing it correctly, they're great. They're almost impossible to beat when their their defense is on the string and they're sharing the ball and they're getting the, those open looks and they're hitting and Rudy is rolling to the rim and Donovan is penetrating. And what's so frustrating about the point that you're making and what the, what the uh, players were saying is that players knew Mike weren't, weren't going to play. Yeah. They, they knew it. that. They knew Donovan Mitchell is not 100%. They're with him almost 24-7. They know the guy is going through it and nobody stepped up. Yeah, and we've talked about this before. And we've talked about it with Donovan, and I'll say it also for Rudy, too. The Jazz can't rely on Donovan. He's capable of taking over a game, and he will score 37, 38, 39, 40-plus points a game. That's what he's going to do for you. You can't rely on him to score all of the points. No. You can't rely on Rudy Gobert to defend every person on the floor. Yeah, it's it's so incredibly unfair and it really reminds me of those bad habits that the Jazz got into a couple years ago against the Rockets. Right. Same, the exact same kind of thing where it's guys weren't making shots. Donovan felt like he had to do everything. Again, in the last two games, I thought that Donovan got a little hero ball. But I don't necessarily blame him because nobody else is doing anything. Exactly. So he's got to be like, he's, he's got to be like Thanos and he's got to be like, you know what? Fine. I'm doing it myself. Right. And that is not conducive to winning basketball. Donovan Mitchell is a fabulous player. He's not good enough to beat a team all by himself. No, every, every team that's ever won an NBA championship has had role players that have stepped up. Steve Kerr made shots. Yeah. For Michael Jordan. John Paxson made shots for Michael Jordan. How good was Tristan Thompson in that series uh, mm. against the Warriors where the uh, the Cavaliers oh, Mario came Mario Chalmers. Mario Chalmers balled out for the Heat. Yes, like it takes a collective effort. You have your stars, you have your guys, and it's it's so frustrating because we, we talked about it in game two. Like the Jazz, they didn't play perfectly, but what they did is they played within themselves. Yes. And everybody filled their role. Boyan was hitting, hitting open shots and driving and doing what he does. Uh, Donovan was the superstar that we've seen where he can take over the game. Rudy's rolling to the rim. He got 20 rebounds and three blocks. Joe Ingles was solid. And that's what we need. And that's not what we had in that game. Like... I really hope that this is a wake-up call for the Jazz because I can promise you if this continues, it's Clippers in six and every single one of those Jazz are frauds. The Jazz are the are the 2014 Atlanta Hawks. This team is just nothing more than the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, and you're going you're gonna to prove them all right if you can't get back to what made you the number one team in the league. And what, what got you to win those first two games. Right. Like, dude, doggy. Homie, you got a mother blueprint. It's right there. I'm Alex Rodriguez. 
And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I, th- I think that the Jazz are going into game five with the right mindset. Because as we're talking through the game, it's our job to recap what happened and what happened was bad. And so we're going to talk about all the bad stuff from the jazz's perspective. While you look at the bad things and recognize them and, you know, say, okay, I don't want to do that again. I think that when they were talking about, you know, we need to watch that second half and look at the things that worked against the Clippers, look at the things that worked in those first two games. Like they're talking about looking at the positive things, what they can take from that second half. They outscored the Clippers 60 to 50 in that second half, especially uh-huh. late in that third, uh, early in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter too, there, there were things that were working for them. They were yes. getting back to sharing the ball. They were getting back to defending on a string. There are things that are working. I think that it's good for them to look at it that way to say, hey, we worked for 72 games to get the number one seed for a reason. It's so that when we're in this situation, we still have the home court advantage. We knew it wasn't going right. to be a cakewalk. And what we're going to do is look at what worked and get back to that. I think that that is the right way to approach it. And that's what they've been saying to us. Yeah, I I'm, I agree 100% with what you're saying. What I would add on to that is, Donovan Mitchell in game three and game four was not the Donovan Mitchell from game one and game two. Yes. The man is hurt, right? He's playing through an exceptional amount of pain. It's, it's visceral. You can see that he's not healthy. So what that means is that you've got your blueprint, but it's going to take a higher level of effort and focus and production by guys not named Donovan Mitchell. I have it throughout my notes in the outline that we write just a little peek behind the curtain. When we watch the games, we we have a little template where we put our thoughts in every every quarter. And I think three or four times in our outline, I wrote, Donovan can't do it himself. He can't. He shouldn't be asked to nope. at full health. And he absolutely shouldn't be asked to when I mean he's carrying, he's already doing so much. He scored 37 yeah. points. Players not named Donovan Mitchell at most got to the free throw line five times. And that was Bullion taking five free throw shots. Mm-hmm. Donovan got took 15 free throws. The man is not not trying. He's playing his off. He's doing everything that he can. Yet the rest of the guys have got to do more. Mm-hmm. That's what has to happen. And as well, we need, we need Jordan Clarkson. We need Joe Ingles and other guys who can run an offense to do that and step up because the Jazz are without Mike Conley and you don't have that. And you have a guy now in Donovan who's hobbled and can't do the same things. He can't penetrate and kick like he has. So we need other guys to step up and the Jazz are deep enough and they're talented enough to be able to do that, but it has to happen. Yeah. If you're looking for adjustments, takeaways from the game, the takeaways were as they were after game three, don't be bad at basketball. The adjustment is be better at basketball. But I think just one question that I would pose as we sort of wrap things up here is if you're looking to play 
Rudy Gobert, say, 40, 42 minutes. Do you think that Quinn should move to a small ball lineup in those other minutes? Do you think that maybe it's not necessarily taking Fave completely out of the rotation, but do you think that he should try a small ball lineup? I think you went and got Ursan Ilyasova for a reason. Do I think that he is like a gigantic game changer? No, but I do think that what the Jazz are doing right now isn't working and it's worth a try. That's what basketball is. It's adjustments. And we've seen Urson in the past do well in spot minutes. And I think that that could help. It could help the Jazz switch. It could help the Jazz defensively. It could help. It adds another shooter to the, on the floor as well. And the Jazz could go five out with that. I would say at least, I don't know, give it a try. If it doesn't work, cool. You're, you're, you're back at square one. Yeah. Do you give that a try in game five or game six? Let's, let's say that the Jazz lose game five and they're down three, one. Would you have wished that you'd tried it in game five or are you like, okay, now, now it's time to try it in game six. I'm not a big fan of hindsight. Yeah. I would say, I, I would say do it. I mean, let's, let's look at these numbers right here. I've got pulled up. So after four games with the Jazz lineups against the Clippers, during their five out lineups with Rudy Gobert in 142 possessions, Jazz have a 2.4 point differential per 100 possessions, 5.1% higher effective field goal percentage. They're grabbing more offensive rebounds. They're turning the ball over less and they're getting to the free throw line more. Now, without Rudy Gobert in the Derek Favors minutes, they're getting outscored by 31 points per 100 possessions. Mm. They're Yeah, they're minus 16.7 when it comes to effective field goal percentage. The Clippers are plus 11.6 on offensive boards. The Jazz are turning the ball over 4.5% more, and they are negative 5.6 free throw attempts. So it's a huge, huge disparity. Also, thank you to Adam Bushman for the tweet that where I got all of this information from. I want to make sure that he gets the credit where it's deserved. But yeah, I mean, those are staggering numbers. Like that is, those are problematic numbers. We've talked about it on this pod before. There are difference between mistakes and problems. Right. I adore Derek Favors. I think he's one of the best jazz men in franchise history. He's been nothing but a professional. Yep. At this point, Derek Favors is a problem. To that point, into thinking about maybe trying a small ball lineup, I mean, you know, you've got options on who you put out there yeah, to do that. And I, like you said, Urson is one of those options. And I've said this before, I've, I've seen Urson come in late in a season and join a team and then actually make a difference in spot minutes in the playoffs. I've mm-hmm. seen it happen up close and in person. And that was just two years ago. Yeah. And so I think that, Try it for two or three minutes, right? Get yeah. get six possessions and see what you think happens out of that. I don't Hell, think there's anything wrong with that. Ilyasova couldn't be any worse than how George Niang has played in this series. Good God, man! That's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was, you went out. You went and got the dude for a reason. So frustrating to me because I praised him all year long for the improvement that he made on the defensive end during the regular season. He was looking so good. And the effort was so good. Effort was high. He was playing defense better, better than what people were giving him credit for. 
He was playing well. He was a plus defender. And then I watched him lose. I think I think he thought he was maybe guarding Reggie Jackson, but then it turned out that the guy that he was really guarding was Jordan Clarkson, and I, Jordan Clarkson is on is on his team, and he just completely got blown by. It was he's he's defending like his shoes are tied together. Yeah, he's not uh, moving his feet. It's yeah, it's bad. So I think that something is broken and it needs fixing. And I would at least give it a shot. Like what's at the very worst, you're in the same position you're in right now. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that if you, if you tried a small ball lineup and it didn't work for two, three minutes and you just went back to fave, I don't think you'd be any worse off. Yeah. So I I don't think that there is an issue with trying it in game five. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Who knows? Yeah. Something. Something. Again, I want to say that I don't think that the sky is falling yet. I think that the Jazz, they played uncharacteristically bad. Yeah. And if there is a silver lining, it is that they seem to at least figure some stuff out in the second half offensively. Yeah. Anyway, I'm mad. I don't want to say anything that's going to end up getting me fired. I would never fire you. (laughs) Uh, Well... Here's looking at game five. Michael Conley, come back to us. If you're listening, Mike. Everybody in this, listening to this podcast right now, this is a prayer circle. (laughs) We have hundreds of thousands of candles lit. Yeah. And And hundreds of listeners. (laughs) Yes. And we are conjuring healing spirits and energy and scar tissue and fibrous muscular tissue good vibe tribe unite here and strength (laughs) hashtag orb gang and we are going to get that man healthy and he is going to bring us back to the promised land that's what's going to happen in will chamberlain's name (laughs) inshallah amen We're healing. We're feeling the energy. Mercury is coming into retrograde and it is sending all of the healing energy to Michael Conley Jr. You can follow that scintillating voice on Twitter at Dad Sham Dad. You can follow me at NBA Sarah and follow the show at Unsalvageables. Thank you so much for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, download, give us five stars, do all of the things. We love you guys, and we will speak to you soon. Let's get Victor back on the pod, game five. Let's make it happen. Bring Victor back, baby. 